Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Watch Time. Episode number four. Oh, yeah, you know it's good when four. you can't keep up. I can up. count to four. I know. It's <laughs> incredible. We, uh, for everyone watching on video, we have an awesome sign now A in the brand podcast new room. Sign. That's so, when uh, you know it's legit. Yeah, exactly. We're super official. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just had a pretty big week. So I guess we kick off chatting about that. Yeah. Actually, wait, I should have done the typical intro. That's all right. For those of you who are new here, my name is Muzok. I'm a YouTuber with 8 million subscribers. And Grace is... I am CEO of Click Management. We're a management company that um, manages a bunch of the big gamers, YouTubers, streamers, etc. Elliot and I are also brother and sister. I feel like a few people didn't know that and then picked up on it in last episode. So we're brother and sister. We're business partners. We work together. We manage to not kill each other most of the time. Exactly. And on this <laughs> podcast, we're going to be talking about everything gaming and behind the scenes and all that cool stuff that... You don't get to see and, you know, share, giving our opinions on it. Yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> big week this week. Bloody we, uh, big week. We just went and spent the entire weekend at the Australian Open, which is, uh, for those who don't know, the big tennis competition that happens down in Melbourne every year. And now, in addition to tennis, it's also a Fortnite competition. They did yeah. a big Fortnite tournament with um, some of the best Fortnite players in the world and me. Yeah, thank God. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's a $500,000 tournament now. So on the Saturday, they do a $100,000 pro-am where we did trios. So we had a content creator, a pro, and then a celebrity, although definition of celebrity is a little loose these days. And then on the Sunday, they did a solos comp um, for 400 k which is pretty wild. Elliot actually had a bet on it with Brody, one of the guys in the offices, in the office that we're in, that he would... Finish in the top 85, which might like there was there was 90 <laughs> people finishing top 85 should be easy, but really says a lot about your skill level. Yeah, when when <laughs> like 87 of the 90 people are all like pro, pro, pro players, like some of the best in the world, like getting a single point to even get on the scoreboard is insanely hard. And so, did you win the bet? I did, I won the bet because <laughs> I had one good round where I Hit a couple of very lucky headshots and I got five points and then I scored nothing else for the rest of the tournament. But it didn't matter because your boy came in 75th. Woo! Which it is all that matters. It was so funny. One of the commentators was so kind to you. Like, I think he must watch your watch your content. Fallout is his online name, right, John? Anyway, it was really, really funny because Elliot, you know, credit to him, great YouTuber, not a great pro Fortnite player. And this caster was just so lovely, like going through the standings and Elliot's ranked like 70th or something at the time. And he was like, you know what? Musok's dropped a little bit in the standings, but I have real confidence in, here, in him. You know, he's really exceeded expectations all day and I'm sure he'll get back up there again. And everyone was like, I did yeah. not get back up there again, <laughs> but I did come in the top 75 and that's all that matters. $500 richer. 
Yeah, yeah. But it did get uh, us talking a lot about, uh, you know, the the whole topic of live kind of tournaments and yeah. esports and kind of how the uh, over the recent years, you've just seen esports have this huge shift where everyone's suddenly trying to do live events. I feel like yeah. um, you've seen it driven from pretty much every area of gaming. There's a few mm-hmm. games that still do mostly online. Like uh, I think Rocket League is is definitely one that's still largely online. Although but then, they did that live Rocket League tournament in Australia last year through Hoyt's. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> and pretty unsuccessful. But yeah, yeah but that's it kind of got us thinking about. that. The topic number one is uh, basically esports, live events, doing them online versus doing them at stadiums, like things uh, seeming to kind of be moving towards. Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Is it necessary? What are the pros? What are the cons? Yeah. What do you think? I think it's, I think, I don't know. I've got to say, I'm kind of anti-physical events i love the physical events i love going to them it's a good time you get everyone together it's super fun and like for fan interaction and that sort of thing i think it's amazing because obviously you know doing youtube or streaming is a pretty solitary thing a lot of the time so being able to actually go to physical events and be like wow you know the it's actually real people that watch this stuff is super cool and you know you always come back a little bit tired the next week it's You know, I feel like I kind of need to go on a detox this week, to be honest. But I do think that, I don't know, I just don't know if I really see the big, big benefits in doing physical events, maybe from like a branding or a perception perspective. But in terms of actual profitability or what it really does for the viewership, I don't think it moves the needle at all. You know, like we're the Fortnite event on the weekend and maybe there's 1500 people there in person watching but they've got 40,000 people watching online and you think about how expensive it is and how much organization it is to get everyone there put on these events have a stadium oh it's insane and for what 1500 people I mean it's fun it's great but like the the cost per view online is just not even on the same scale. It's so much, and it's so much more scalable when it's all online. Yeah, it's super interesting because, like, when I'm like, "Oh, do you think esport live events are good?" If I think about my personal experience with them, I like I love them because you know, I like you were saying, I get to go, I get to meet fans, I get to hang out with you know people who I mainly just play games with online. It's a great atmosphere. It's a great parties. vibe. I you know, there's normally parties. There's fun events happening. You might win some prize money. Like. It's fantastic for me objectively as a content creator. Um, but yeah, it, it's really just the the business side once again where I- I don't get I, it. It, it. It's insane to me because you think about the, you know, probably a hundred staff minimum working on that event. Minimum. They have to get a hundred computers. They're renting out one of the biggest, or, you know, they're, they're giving the space of one of the biggest stadiums in Melbourne during the middle of the Australian Open. So not like not like they've got nothing else to put on there. It's not a there. casual Tuesday. It's like a, it's a big big thing and um and you know which which is really really cool but then you know just the cost behind everything the production you've got all these people who are filming, casting, managing the event, just absolute insane amounts of money pouring in mm-hmm. from every single direction and ultimately if you look at the difference between if it was a live event versus if it was running online, it's, I mean, it is hard to see the direct return. But I mean, it's it's always also one of those interesting things where marketing, I know, values live, 
like kind of engagements, like people mm-hmm. who actually are present at a thing so much more. Same with like E3. Like I don't, I don't know how much um, all the people listening to this know about E3, but where basically the big gaming conference happens once a year, you get these companies coming in and the cost to put on a lot of the booths that like these companies will do at E3 is in the millions of dollars. They'll spend, you know, three, $3 million on one of the big booths or probably even more, I think, for stuff like Nintendo. And, you know, the total number of people who get through that event is about 50,000. Say half of them come and visit your booth, which would be a pretty good number considering that, you know, there's so much to see people don't get to every booth. Yeah. You're, you're spending $4 million on 25,000 people, which... Quick math, quick math, quick ma- quick math. Can't really do it expensive. right now. It's, it's expensive. expensive per person. <laughs> and even if every one of those people goes and buys your game, you're still losing money. Anyway, live events. Yeah, very interesting. But bringing it back to esports, um, I-, I think the reason we wanted to talk about it today is because there's been a really big push over recent years of every big uh, company really trying to go towards those live events, which is super interesting. Um, and obviously I feel like with that number of people, there must be some reason behind it, which is what I'm keen to delve into. But you've got, you know, initially, obviously, events like what we just did at the Australian Open where Fortnite is doing it. And then, uh, for those who don't know, basically, Blizzard, uh, what they're really trying to pioneer with Call of Duty and Overwatch, where they've created the Call of Duty League and the Overwatch League, they've made uh, their teams really kind of city-based. So it's not just like what you have in other esports where it's like TSM and Liquid and whatever kind of names yeah. you want. They're like, it is the like Chicago Bull, like Bulls or, you know, I don't know the actual. NBA. M- yeah. But you know, <laughs> like they're basically city team names exactly like the NBA though. They're trying to do it mm-hmm. exactly like traditional sports where you have these teams that then fly to other cities and that's what they're doing for the Overwatch League this season. Every week, I believe, or at least a lot of weeks, they're going to have one team from one city fly to another city to compete in that city and have like the whole home and away team thing going on, which to me is once again, crazy how much money is just going into this. Yeah. To me, I don't buy it. I don't buy this city-based team thing. Someone proved me wrong. I look forward to being proved wrong, but it was tried in Australia last year and it just didn't hit. And for me, I think the whole benefit, the whole incredible thing about gaming is it literally doesn't fucking matter where you are. It doesn't matter. It's why it's so amazing that you can do it all digitally. And that's why I'm surprised. I just don't think people care that much about supporting a city-based team, especially when most of the players from these teams aren't necessarily hailing from there or heralding from there, you know? I guess you could say the same about traditional sports. True, true, true. Very true. Because to me, I like the city-based teams thing, or at least I'm not against it. I think it's actually a, a cool new take. I just question the uh, viability of flying teams back and forth between cities to compete each week because, I mean, you've got the team, which is, you know, six to ten people when you include backup players, then you've got the coaches, then you've got the support staff, then you've got, I mean, I'm assuming there's a huge number of other people who need to move. You then need to build these stadiums in each city. You need to keep those stadiums ticking along. You need to have full dedicated broadcast teams for each stadium. Like, the cost is insane. And And I know for a fact... And they get like 40,000 concurrents. Yeah. uh, Number one, the online viewership is, is, you know, it's, it's significant, but... It seems like a huge amount of investment when you know you have individual streamers who will pull thirty to forty k concurrence. I think it relies. I think it relies on having teams that all have really, really good quality players because I think, and maybe this is where Australia went wrong, but Australia didn't necessarily have the quality of players in every city, 
And I just think people got to the point where it was like, they don't necessarily care about supporting the Sydney team if the Sydney team is like the 45th and 47th best players playing against each other. They can go on Twitch and see the best number one and two playing against each other whenever they want. So it's not, it doesn't hold that sort of significance that maybe traditional sports do. I mean, for yeah. me... For me, I think the the more interesting thing, what I'd love to see and where I actually think, I mean, maybe it'll end up going is kind of a bit more of a middle ground. I, I don't totally discount the the value of live events. Like I think live events probably actually do have a little bit of potential, but I, I think the problem is right now, people are trying to just build this huge thing before there's really any foundation, mm. you know? Everyone's trying to go from literally there being almost no real big IRL viewership events to suddenly like we're renting out the biggest stadiums yeah. in LA and New York and putting on these giant this things. This is the NBA. This is the NBA. And it's like, okay, I actually think a more interesting middle ground step there is instead of you know flying teams to verse each other locally, I think you could run the events online because realistically, I, and I know that you know, you're gonna have pro players kick up a fuss when you say it but realistically if you can get that ping level down to say like 20 which you can most of the time in kind of localized state games then it really doesn't have too much of a competitive impact and I, I think the more interesting thing and what I would love to do you know and I something I think I would get behind is if I knew that you know there was a team I supported who played in my city I would 100% go and watch them like play live and just have like a really casual setting where, you know, it's it's a bit more laid back. It's not the two yeah. teams facing off with this huge production quality. It's just like they're there in the room, they're playing. I've got a few friends who are watching the game, having a beer, like creating a much more, or almost like a, a night out at the bar kind of atmosphere. Yeah, Because I, I think some of my favorite uh, watching live esports experiences I've had is um, which is when you don't even have the teams present but it's when you're at like a, a gaming bar like those bars that just put on esports tournaments mm -hmm. and you know you're sitting there with friends you're watching the game you're having a good time um, and I think that that's especially when a lot of esports tournaments run for a really long time you know it's not like it's not like a, a basketball match that'll go for you know I, how long do basketball matches <laughs> go for I don't actually watch them but you know like an hour an hour and a half a lot of like Dota um, Fortnite, when they do six games for a tournament, yeah. like it'll run for six to seven hours. Yeah. And I'm going to be real. I don't want to sit in an audience waving a little like go team Atlanta <laughs> flag for six hours. I want to be sitting back with my friends, having a beer, being like, oh my God, dude, you see that play? And then being able to just turn down and, you know, look at my phone for a little bit. Just, I think that that more casual laid back live esport event would be a, uh, a much more interesting thing. Yeah. I think sometimes there's, seems to be this desire to really make esports just like traditional sports, like yeah. gaming. And I think it doesn't necessarily need to be like that. You can look at them as two different things and get the inspiration from traditional sports, but also do it in a way that's new. Like you create a whole new viewing experience where it's not necessarily like you're going to a huge stadium. It might look different, but anyway, I guess but time will tell. But you can see the reason why the industries evolve that way. It's because... Yeah the people who control all the money, oh, I mean, obviously not all of them, but a large number of the people who are financing 
uh, you know, stuff like the Overwatch League teams and the Call of Duty League teams, obviously with some not- notable exceptions, like FaZe, who obviously comes from a very gaming background, mm. but a lot of the big investors who like bought teams and, you know, those like millionaire billionaires out of America and China, they're people who also own like NBA teams or at yeah. least are a lot more familiar with that. So if you go to someone and you're like, hey, we want $50 million and you pitch them some totally out of left field, like people are going to play and, and some You're people right. watch them live and have some chill beers. Like they can be like, I don't get it. But if you go to someone with 50 and say, hey, we want $50 million, it's the NBA, but it's video games. And they're going to be like, oh my God, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And like video games are getting big, which is, you know, doing nothing but going up. Um, and, you know, wanting to be at the forefront of that, adapting that to a format they understand, that is the way to get investment. And I don't think that it's like the way they're going right now is inherently so, so wrong. I just think it's going, you're going to find a bit more of a, a balance between this like full NBA level experience where you've mm-hmm. got Marshmallow and DJ Khaled at the Overwatch <laughs> World Cup finals, like coming out and giving a really interesting performance. You know, I think <laughs> it's going to be like, that, that doesn't need to be what esports is. It's, and I think hopefully, I, and I mean, uh, not that that would be a bad thing, but I think right now people are trying to force it into that category yeah. of being exactly like the NBA, but video games. And I think in reality, it'll probably find a nice middle ground because ultimately like gamers don't necessarily always want to go out and sit in a stadium for three hours to watch their favorite people yeah. play. I think it'll be, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Interesting to see how the big leagues go this year. I hope I'm proven wrong. I'd love to. I'd love to see it happen because I agree. Like the live events are so fun, and this weekend was awesome. And you know, it's not. It's not exactly like the big leagues, but it is. It is special. Like it's so special to be there. The atmosphere is amazing, and to really like be seeing a bunch of people in the same space and it all happening live. And then, like the kid that won this weekend, um, Brezzo. He's like 16 years old. He won on a controller as well, which is pretty cool for Fortnite. I think he was the first yeah, person. Yeah, easy aimbot. Gives him an advantage. First person. Credit where credit's due, all right? Did you win? No. You came. What did you come? Remind me of your place. You know what I came? I came better placement than fresh and about 15 other pro players. Oh, so. All right, all right. Anyway, he was so sweet. Like, mm. God, he looked nervous when they pulled him up. He looked like he was a bit of a deer in the headlights. He <laughs> was very cute. They were, like, they were like, so tell us, like, how did you win? And he was like, oh, just tried to collect some mats and play the late game and got some kills and then I won. And <laughs> they were like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, it was good. It was a really good time. and Yeah, long story yeah. short, I love live events. If it does make sense for the big companies Dude. to keep running them, I will be there every single time because I love it. But um, it's it's more just, it's going to be interesting to see if it does continue to be something that companies invest so heavily in or whether it'll end up kind of becoming a bit more of a middle ground. But interesting to see. So while we are recording this podcast, the Super Bowl is going on and I've been seeing a bunch on Twitter about a few social media people that have a starring in commercials. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. We had, uh, I think, what was it? Tim the Tapman and Booger, both Booger. in... Charlie D'Amelio, the TikTok star that's... I don't know anyone else. Literally I just know Fortnite everywhere. Guys. Oh my God. I've been spending way too much time on TikTok this week. I feel like I avoided it for the longest time and it has sucked me in hard it's it's crazy seeing them include 
yeah, just like people, like, especially like Booger, that was a really interesting one to me because yeah. that's someone who's not really outside the Fortnite community, I feel really known as yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Tim's a bit more of like a general like gaming person that people know. Booger's like very like, for people who don't know the person who won the Fortnite World Cup last year. Um, but yeah, he, he was in a, it was a, it was a hummus. It was a hummus ad. So was Charlie. The hummus. It was where the, where the kids are. Bro, those ads are like eight mil, Number one, just eight million dollars for thirty seconds. Like I know it must get so many people watching, but like eight million dollars for thirty seconds just seems insane in my it brain. It does seem insane. But the fact that a hummus dip, a hummus dip company, has eight million dollars. For a 30 second ad, that blows my mind even more. I've had that hummus, it's really good. And then you also think about, you know, like if they're spending $8 million just to buy the ad spot, imagine how much they're spending to actually shoot the ad. Crazy. Like a lot of them would be crazy expensive. Do you reckon one of the reasons that they're putting like gamers or social media people in those ads are because, well, from what I've heard, sports like the NFL and that sort of thing have their lowest pickup rate in young people at the moment. Mm. So do you remember when you were a kid and like dad would take us to the footy on a Friday night or something? Kids just aren't picking up traditional sports. They're watching esports, baby. Yeah, they are. Physical or digital? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, but kids just aren't going to watch traditional sports as much these days. They're not picking it up at that young age. And maybe it's because they're picking up social media. I don't know. It'd be kind of, I'd be kind of interested to see like where those brands really see the value in working with people like that. Is it because, you know, I'm scrolling through Twitter and maybe I wouldn't be watching that game. Usually I'm Australian, don't judge. But because I see that Booger's in a hummus ad, I'm going to watch the ad, you know, because I want to see how he's been picked up by a mainstream sort of avenue like that. Yeah, I mean, I think they know that if if someone he sees or hears about one of their favorite uh, influencers, like YouTubers, Vine, whatever, being in a Super Bowl ad, they're going to go and Google that ad. Like, it's yeah. going to generate so much ongoing conversation. So true. So I think that, like, what they, especially what I noticed in that, in that, can't we're talking about hummus ads. Like, far <laughs> out. What, what Episode is, four. What is when... 2020? Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, you know, you could tell that they were so smart with that ad. They just went, they went full broad. They had, like, Booger, guy who won the Fortnite World Cup. They had Tim the Tap Man, just, like, general gaming guy. Charlie D'Amelio, 22 million followers. Yeah, exactly. They had like now. a TikTok star. They had, I'm guessing, like an Instagram person. I think I saw. Like, but but long story short, even though I didn't know half the people, it looked like what they were trying to do was have at least one person from each genre, kind of genre and and interest group, so that mm. no matter who you are, someone that you know is going to be in that ad, and you are going to Google that ad because you heard that this person that you watch was in a Super Bowl ad. Yeah, I wonder how for those ads, like how many views they actually get during the actual Super Bowl commercial, which is what it's technically made for, versus how many views they're getting on the ad online, like people searching for it. Yeah, be super interesting. I reckon it'd be a shitload online. And also like you just, and because I guarantee, or I don't guarantee, but I would very much expect that most people who are, you know, YouTubers or TikTok people or whatever, if you say, hey, do you want to be in a Super Bowl ad? They're going to, A, probably be like, hell yeah, I want to be in a Super Bowl ad. They w- they wouldn't charge or, mm. you know, it, maybe they could negotiate a fee. But regardless, like they would be keen to do it free of charge. And also, in addition, 
you guarantee that they're going to be like, yo, did you see? I was in this Super Bowl ad and they are going to talk about it and they're going to yep. promote it. And it's just like this feedback loop of free promotion. Yep, 100%. I mean, they like, were probably paid to be in the ad, but but also it's really, really cool to be in a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. So and you're going to like promote that like crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, super cool. Anyway, but also I like, like that a, one. A lot of YouTubers and stuff, if they get given, you know, a cool opportunity, they'll... Um, you know, do it for free. Yeah. Like if like opportunity to be in a movie, say, mm-hmm. that someone might be in soon. Not me, I wish. Um, but, you know, but a lot of the time, I, I know a lot of friends and channels who just get a sick opportunity, be in a TV show, yep. be on this, be on that. And I'll just be like, I'd love to do it. You know Sounds what? Fun. This wasn't one of the things we're going to talk about, but I want to mention it because you're so right. But did you see how David Dobrik was on Jimmy Fallon the other mm. week? Apparently that was the most watched Jimmy Fallon video on YouTube ever. Ever. Like it had, I think, I don't know, I'm going to look up how many views it had. It had a lot of views. But like, I think that makes sense because, you know, David's so dominant on the platform. Like you put David Dobrik in a title, it will get views. Yeah. But I think David Dobrik wasn't paid to be on Jimmy Fallon. Oh, no. I don't think anyone's paid to be on Jimmy Fallon. David did it because it's a freaking cool opportunity. And then suddenly he's putting Jimmy Fallon in his YouTube video. He's promoting the hell out of it on Instagram and Twitter. And like, do you know how much an integration would cost on David Dobrik's YouTube channel? It would be insane. The amount of views that Considering he gives away get, like six cars every time he does an integration, I think. Yeah. Like the amount it would cost to pay for that kind of promotion on mm. his channels is off the chain versus the fact they can give it to him for free. And for him, it's like a super cool experience. He's not going to say no to, and he's going to promote the hell out of it. It's crazy. It's like a win, 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 win situation for literally everyone. That's why I've always thought like the, the 500 IQ, we're getting way off topic here, but like the smartest thing I see in like marketing or, you know, just like, you know, you know, when a game comes out, Mm -hmm. right. A lot of the time you get companies who will go to YouTubers or streamers or whatever. And they'll be like, we want to pay you x thousand dollars to tweet whoa this game got released today super excited to play it right yeah and then they put out a tweet number one it cost the company like five however many thousand dollars to to get that bit of content out there then it's also got like hashtag ad in it which even if the person's genuinely keen to play it which a lot of the time they are it it removes a bit of that genuineness whereas what i've always thought once again a lot of the time companies want guaranteed marketing they know they can rely on in which case paying for it is the good way to go but i've always thought the smart thing is when you just if you send a youtuber a really or at least i mean i'm talking about myself here if you send me a really sick like collector's edition for a game with something cool in it like i am gonna be like sharing that everywhere Mm -hmm. because i love collector's editions i think my um the the helmet that i got for titanfall 2 I got the Titanfall 2 collector's edition. That is like one of my favorite things ever because yep. it's just so sick. And yep. I saw some people when uh, the new Star Wars game came out, they got given lightsabers. And man, I was filthy I didn't get sent a lightsaber. <laughs> I was like trying to find the people who are in charge of sending all these YouTubers lightsabers because I wanted one. And I would have <laughs> tweeted the hell out of that. It's actually a good topic for a future podcast, like the whole PR thing. Yeah. Anyway, moving on, moving on. 
Uh, okay. Did you see that 100 Thieves released their video about their new compound? The compound, which is so The cash app compound, by the way. Because <laughs> one month ago, we were trying to brainstorm names for, for this building the that click all, the, all the click guys are in right now. And literally, the name that was pushed so hard was the click compound. Yeah. Or just the compound. Yeah. That's what everyone wanted to call it. And I was like, it sounds like a jail. Like, I don't want people to feel like we're in a prison. <laughs> you know? Like, it actually... Like, it's like, where, where do you work? I no, work it's at, cool. I work in a compound. Yeah, I like it, it does. Like a hub. I can see it. Yeah, I know. Like I can see it as a thing and everyone else liked it. So I was clearly in the wrong, but I was like, man, I don't feel like, I feel like if I'm in a compound, I'm like trapped. <laughs> like take him to the compound. You are trapped to make YouTube videos. Exactly. Stream forever. Make content, never leave. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, super cool. I mean, pretty amazing. They're obviously a company that's taken on some huge investment over the last couple of years. Crazy. And it's, it's you know, it's it's different to what we're doing, but it's really interesting to see how they're doing it. And, you know, I think they're definitely up there now competing with the likes of FaZe and that sort of thing in terms of like brand recognition. And yeah. I'm interested. I want to go check it out. Yeah, no, I'm, I'd be so keen to uh, to see that place when I'm, uh, it's in LA, right? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be in LA. Um, but yeah, no, 100 Thieves is one of those, I'd love to like do like a breakdown of it and mm. understand them more because I mean, I think I, I was talking to you about this earlier today, but like, it, it's so interesting because I would say if you talk biggest like gaming organization brands, it would be like phase 100 Thieves, maybe one or two others, like uh, definitely all the way up the top. They're yeah. right up there, like well above click. If you talk about like oh, not brand names scale. in in like a gaming recognition yeah, space. For sure. But what I find so interesting is then, you know, you look at, okay, what are the like metrics we can use to, to kind judge of- that. To judge that. Mm -hmm. And you'll go to like the 100 Thieves YouTube channel. And once again, infer that they, I would say their brand recognition in the gaming space is 10 to 20 times that of click. 100%. If not more. But if you look at, you know, the the YouTube content they put up, it'll get, you know, like some videos will have like less than 100K views in a day. Obviously ones like the compound will pull over a million, but I'd probably say they average 150K views a video. Yeah. Now, obviously they're building that over a much more diverse content stream. So naturally you're going to kind of erode your views a bit there. But then it's, it's interesting, like click will throw a video up that'll, you know, like that, we had that New York vlog that we put up on our, on like the second channel for Click that hasn't had content on it in months. And uh, it was not Six the best. Months. It was not the best vlog. It was really not a great vlog in hindsight. I think it was a, a good learning thing for us to like figure out how to film them. But that was like a million views in a day. But it's just interesting how brand recognition doesn't equal YouTube views and vice no. versa. Us getting, you know one to two million views consistently on YouTube content does not equal brand recognition. Yeah. And it's just crazy how 100 Thieves, just the way that they've, and obviously they have six, huge success in other areas that we don't even touch, like esports. They're absolutely destroying right now. They've signed incredible players. They've done an amazing job. Um, but yeah, it's just so interesting how brand recognition 
and YouTube views, like you'd think that would be a really translatable metric, yeah. but it's really not. And also brand value, like 100 Thieves is so valuable if you look at the investment behind it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they took on their Series B funding at like 40 million USD or something, which is wild. That's a huge valuation for a company that's only been around two yeah. years. Anyway, I mean, obviously they've been doing their whole thing with merch as well and somehow they've elevated beyond just doing merch to really being seen as like a real brand that represents something. I'm really inspired by it. I find it really interesting. I'd love to see behind the scenes of that a little bit more and talk to the people that are involved because I, I think it's fascinating. It's an incredible story. And yeah, I don't know. I actually haven't watched the video yet with their tour, but I definitely want to check it out. Yeah, and it's just, it's so interesting when I, I feel like I'm going way too deep on 100 it's Thieves. Cool. No, it's fine. Go but like, it. it's it's so interesting to me. You know, you look at the, um, you know, what, what does 100 Thieves do as a brand like what does it exist for like where is that money coming from and i'm sure there's so many elements that you know we don't see as publicly but it's it's something that i that i think i i've talked a lot to you about where it's like you know we're talking about esports teams and you know like should click look at esports teams or that kind of thing mm. and the inherent value a lot of the time 100% definitely some very profitable esport teams out there but a lot of the time the the value of having teams in esports stuff like you know owning a csgo team or a league team or whatever mm. team um isn't so much the direct revenue that those teams bring in because a lot of the time number one you want to give the players the vast majority of the of the tournament prize winnings because it's their incentive to play well yep. you have to pay them salaries you have to pay coaches you have to pay training areas like esports teams are a money sink but what they do allow you to do is build a brand. And if you look at 100 Thieves, they don't really have, I mean, they do, they have like Courage and Valk and like those kind of people, but they don't really have that like core YouTuber group in the same way that like a, a Click or a Sideman or something does. Yeah. But they've managed to regardless build an insanely powerful brand and and what that brand is rallied around. Because think, if they didn't have esports teams, what are, what is the 100 Thieves brand built around? Not, not, not really. Like it doesn't have like a, a mm. core content group. I mean, Matt. How important do you think Matt is in the in the equation? Yeah, I mean, I think is like a directional, face yeah, mm. face of it, definitely. But I don't think that, um, you know, like I think what's interesting is that he's a good directional face of it, and I think people really, obviously, respect his role in the industry and just how much knowledge he has and how long he's been around and mm -hmm. all that kind of thing. But I think that what's interesting is that, yeah, you know, you look at like the click group and it's like, what is the click group built around? We're built around those weekly videos that, you know, come out and that content that's made together as a group of YouTubers. And it's interesting that, yeah, 100 Thieves is kind of, it, it's the teams. It's that eSport. Um, it, it's just that the brand is yeah, the eSports. There's something inherent that you can't actually place. Yeah. It's not the YouTube views. It's not the creators that are behind it. It's not actually any individual team. It's something that they've done that sort of supersedes it all, which, I mean, credit to them, the fact that people feel that value but can't actually name what it is attached to is amazing. Yeah, you're like 100 Thieves. Cool. Love it. Love yeah. it. Great brand. You're like what is but and you know what is most it? companies have a product you know they make hummus for example <laughs> um but but yeah and you know i think esports is just one of those super interesting things where i mean obviously it's like very much has precedent in what sports teams do um but yeah no just 100 it's it's super super interesting 
seeing how quickly they've grown, how I think, you know, getting investment from pe- from people like Drake and then obviously mm. that connection with Scooter Braun, who for people who don't know is one of the like biggest music managers in, in, the, world. in the world. Undoubtedly um, so. Yeah. And he's clearly, and you could clearly, you could almost see a direct point from that moment that Scooter Braun got involved. And I think, you know, Drake was very much brought in as like a token thing. I mean, from my understanding, it's kind of like invested a little bit of money, never, you know, follows a couple of people on Instagram, never seen or heard from again, which yes. is still, but it's still like from a branding perspective. But a very who cool cares? Thing. And who maybe cares? that actually doesn't matter. It doesn't but matter that Drake's not there every day. It matters that like they had an article and they got to put his name on the yeah, title. But you can see though, instantly, as soon as Scooter Braun got involved, it's like, okay, you've got, you've got big names like Drake, Scooter Braun behind it. And then suddenly all these uh, big companies who are very, very publicly attached to 100 Thieves, like Cash App and what is it, Rocket Mortgage, mm-hmm. are like, you know, you s- instantly have these big companies who are like, oh, Scooter Braun says they're good. Yeah, we should work with them. Like yeah. we've been wanting to get into gaming. Like there's a, a trustworthy big music industry name backing them. That legitimacy. Yeah, that means that we should be getting on that. Yeah. Um, and I think my my literally my only, like the only criticism I could ever give 100 Thieves, which I also isn't really a criticism because clearly like they've been putting this money to such good use is I think sometimes their sponsorship branding is a little bit more it's heavy. front. It's heavy. You know, it's like, this is the cash app compound. Yeah. You know, hundred thieves cash app compound. Even and then their it's podcast. Like, it's this like, this is the rocket mortgage training room. It's like, it's very like front, but at the same time, you ain't building a $10 million hundred thieves compound without a couple of sponsors. So, no. you know, like power to it. Yeah. It's 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 honestly an awesome story to watch. I take a lot of inspiration from them and I'm keen to keep following it closely. I'd love to meet some of the people behind it. I mean, I'm a pretty like I don't from from day one, I feel like I've really looked up to Scooter Braun and I remember when I first started getting into management, I would like go home and watch every interview. I think I've probably watched every interview Scooter Braun's ever done. I'm trying but, to steal some Tay Tay songs. <laughs> but no, I think I think they're all really interesting points, and I'm I'm actually really interested to hear what other people think about it as well because yeah. it's something that we talk about all the time. But Just everything esports, like I I feel like oh, I want to get educated by someone who is super like invested and knowledgeable in it because I see it and I'm just like I understand there is value here and the numbers are insane, but it's so hard, you know, with with when we're dealing with something like YouTube, right? I am like this video, like this YouTuber gets 1 million views per video. Therefore they generate X revenue from those million views. If they do a sponsored video, you can assign like a set amount that that's going to be worth. Esports, I feel like it scares me because I'm in an industry where everything is so number based, right? Like you can, you know, CPM multiplied by views equals money that you make. Like CPM on a brand deal times expected views is the amount that you get for that brand deal. It's all very mathematical and Logical. logical. And I love that. And then I see esports, and it's like suddenly you've got no views that are getting paid like tens of millions of dollars. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. The, the, the numbers don't line up in esports. Yeah. That scares me. Yeah. I don't want to be scared. I want maths. Yeah. Give me X times X equals X. And I don't get that in esports, and I don't like it. And I'm not but- saying that the industry is like, I don't, I'm not saying that's wrong. For, for me, it doesn't make sense, but I'm not saying it's wrong. I just don't like that I don't understand it. And I want someone <laughs> to sit me down and really just explain why people are buying 
these Overwatch franchises for $50 million when the game's going downhill. Overwatch 2 looks like it's going to be going even more downhill and I don't see a future. But clearly someone does because they're buying teams for $50 million and then building giant stadiums and then flying teams internationally (laughs) and having coaches and support staff and production teams and then Toyota's sponsoring the league for another $5 million. I don't understand it. I don't like it. Next topic. All right. Well, that was our weekly rant for the day. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, we got massively off track there, but I actually feel like it was a really good conversation. So yeah, that was, anyway. that was, yeah, that was almost like a big topic. Final topic for today. The Jake Paul fight, Miami. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious. It was so I funny. Absolutely. Oh my God. So we'd really, so to set the scene, we'd just all arrived in Melbourne. For the Elliot, Australian Open. For the Australian Open, um, the Fortnite tournament we were talking about earlier. And we all got to the hotel and we were like, okay, we're all going to get together, watch the fight together. Elliot brought his laptop, bought the fight on his laptop and we had about- $12, my God. <laughs> we had a bunch of us huddled around on a couch, like ready to settle in. Elliot got out the nut mix from the hotel. Yeah, everyone, everyone- <laughs> like mucked into my mini bar because we watched it in my room. I had like a $50 charge when I checked out today. Thank you very much. Um, But yeah, Um, we had like everyone around the couch and oh my God, I've been talking to everyone. And honestly, like behind the scenes, confidence in Gib. So for people who don't know, uh, Jake Paul and Anise and Gib, a UK and American guy, um, had a boxing match which was relatively high profile, not as big as something like KSIV Logan. Definitely not. But it was still widely talked about. And you had basically all the UK crew behind Anissa and you had um, and you had uh, obviously else. a lot of America behind mm-hmm. Jake Paul. Um, and, but yeah, behind the scenes, everyone was talking about how Gibb was a madman. Like in the sense that he fights crazy. Yeah. Like, in, like he's just one of those people who will fight and just go insane and just absolutely, you know, just- Lose it. Yeah, just fists swinging everywhere. Um, and you know, like we chatting to like Vic was really, really confident in him. I think like a lot of the UK guys thought Gib was like really, really set. Mm-hmm. And apparently like JJ like didn't like sparring with Gib because he fights so not necessarily <laughs> like better, but just like crazy. Wow. And I was like, and I was like, oh my God, like I've heard all these things. Like, you know, Jake Paul about to get smashed. Going to be, going to be an interesting watch. And oh my God. It was a whitewash. As soon as the bell rang and you just like, I don't know who taught Gib that technique. And I, I don't know a lot about, I don't, I don't know a lot about boxing, but I do know that the way that man moved and the way that man punched <laughs> is not the way that you box. He was like hobbled down, like looked like he was like crouch walking towards the guy. Like kind of like you'd taken too many lessons from Counter-Strike where you just spam crouch. <laughs> like you don't spam crouch in boxing. It's not how it works. I think, um, yeah, but it was it was brutal. It kind of is worth asking the question, I think, why are YouTubers boxing each other? Like, how did this start? When when did it start? For like a year and a half ago? But it's I kind mean, it's of a in- random thing. Like, I feel like it was a real progression from, like, diss tracks and that sort of thing. I mean, I get the diss tracks thing because I think people love people love a little drama. They love a little tea on YouTube. They love to see people get at each other. They love to be able to align with someone and be like, yeah, I'm with the Pauls or I'm with KSI or, you know, the UK guys, whatever. But the fact it progressed to boxing, like actual physical boxing – 
is still a little bit crazy to me. The fact that now half of them are boxing, like they were boxing without helmets, like no headgear or anything, is kind of nuts. Like people can get really hurt. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think it's genius though. Like it's more interesting. Like for me, it's like, wow, who was smart enough to think of this? Because I mean, you look at it, drama on YouTube has always been such a driving force, especially behind channels like Jake Paul, Logan Paul. I mean, JJXC does a lot more lifestyle stuff now, mm -hmm. but just any lifestyle channel, even non-lifestyle channels, just drama is like, people just love it. You know, it's like why people watch Big Brother, Keeping Up With The Kardashians. Yeah. They love seeing the tea. They love it's seeing YouTube people- YouTube gone reality yeah, TV. They it's literally the reality TV of YouTube. And I think you're right. It initially manifested in just people talking. Then there was that diss track era where, you know, you had Rice Gum blow up because he literally, the songs were, I'm sorry, objectively not great. Like Rice Gum does not write the best music. Dude, and where I, is Rice Gum these I days? Is he off, uploading? I don't know. Off off the map. Mm. Um, but you know, like Rice Gum does not objectively make the best music, but everyone was just so hungry for yeah. any drama, any tea. You even saw like when the Sidemen did that whole like fake thing where they acted like they were like splitting apart and they were all making distracts on each other. That was genius. Genius. And then it was just like, okay, clearly- People have identified, they love the drama. They love the tea. What is the next step you can take that? Well, that's taking it out of the digital world and into the physical world. Now, what is, I mean, I think a lot of people forget that the first fight wasn't KSI versus the Pauls. It was KSI versus um, Joe Weller. Oh, true. A lot of people, I think like you just like in yeah. the whole like KSI versus Logan Paul thing, everyone yeah. forgot about that. But, um, you know, I think that was the first, that, that was like a relatively big event, I think, because people were like, oh, wow, YouTubers boxing never happened before. Mm -hmm. And then you had it just absolutely explode with the KSI versus Logan thing. But so smart because number one, they get a huge paycheck from the pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. I reckon each fighter probably ends up with two to three million each. Oh, like, minimum, I would yeah, have thought. Well, yeah, I mean, like you gotta, you gotta think about even if the event generates 20 million, organizers take half, yeah, someone else takes 20, 30%. There's like six, 7 million left to divvy up. They go 50, 50. Yeah. But long story short, you do a couple of those fights, suddenly you got 7 million. And then, but the real value is just how much it makes you relevant again. Yeah. And then I think the really impressive part is that uh, KSI, um, JJ has managed to use the kind of momentum he got from the KSI Logan Paul fight to then capitalize on that and expand even more into becoming like more than a YouTuber. You know, YouTubers- Yeah, are, he just came out with that song, eh? Yeah, well, he came out with that initial song a few months ago that got to, I think I think it got to number one on the charts, That's at least nuts. in the UK. Absolutely insane. Is it and good? Then, Do you think he's good at it? It's interesting that UK, <laughs> no, well, just like UK rap is its own yeah, style. Yeah, it's, you know? it's a different It's genre. very much like, it's not as- singing as like the rap mm. pop that you get out of the US. It's a lot more like talking, Yeah, at least when I hear it. Um, I, I mean, guess getting back to it though, do you think the beef is even real? 100%. Like, no, do you think real. the beef is really real? Do you think they put it on a little bit though? Like why does Jake Paul hate Gib? No, really? Do they even know each other? I've like, I mean, I don't, I can't speak as much about the Gib versus Jake Paul one but like I was staying with the Simon guys during the whole Logan Paul versus KSI thing. Mm -hmm. And they were literally like at, like at the breakfast table, you had 
um, KSI and Logan, they were literally like texting each other, like, can't wait to smash your face in today. You're absolutely like, after today, you're going to be a joke. Like they, I, I think that- It was I think, real. Yeah, I think actually though, if you if you really break it down, I think there's, I think people have, I think at least, you know, within kind of like the YouTube arena, I think that a lot more people have a lot of respect for Logan, you know? I think they people see Logan as a bit more- um, you know, obviously still a bit of that, like being a Paul, yeah. but I think, you know, people respect him. He works hard. He has like a lot of drive, a lot of commitment and obviously he's achieved. I think people really don't like Jake though. People really don't like Jake. I think Logan, I mean, Jake to an extent, but I know when we've had conversations like with people in the office here or the, or, you know, our gang, People respect Logan to the extent that if you're a creator, you can see that guy has worked bloody hard. He's been very, very innovative with content. Like when he was vlogging, no one was doing vlogs like him. Yeah. Really, like he was redefining. He was doing something big, something massive, a new challenge, something every single day was not a vlog, not a vlog like anyone had ever seen before. You know, they were doing like these huge, crazy things literally every single day nonstop. Yeah. And I think as a creator, you've got to give credit to that. Whether or not that was actually a good thing and ultimately it culminated in something awful, obviously. But for at least that period, I think he is innovative. He's very creative. And and so it doesn't necessarily surprise me that he's sort of taken that to the next level with the whole boxing stuff. Yeah, no, abs- absolutely so, so smart. Um, but... Yeah, I, I he's think he's a smart creator. He gets an audience. He gets how to build an audience. I think. You know what I loved though, and I think this is like the the biggest takeaway from the whole thing. Yeah, is that you know as much as there might be real beef, as much as there whatever it is, I think that um you know the Pauls and KSI especially have just identified it as such a way to drive conversation, keep yourself relevant. Um, and, and ultimately, like if, if people are talking about the fact that you've got a boxing match coming up, they're paying more attention to whatever else you're doing. Oh yeah. Like if JJ- All of their videos leading up to it were yeah. popping off. If JJ drops a new song, like after he wins a fight, that was what he did. It went off. People want to hear if about If you it. drop a song right before you do a fight, everyone's talking about you. It goes off. Mm-hmm. And you could see as soon as, um, you know, as much as I think that- um, JJ and everyone probably wanted uh, Gib to win the fight. You could see as soon as Jake Paul won the fight, everyone like, like, and he was like challenging KSI. KSI was up there on stage and he wasn't, he wasn't saying like, look, I've, I am the champion. I don't need to fight you. He was like talking that back. Let's juice that orange a little more. (laughs) And it's going to be interesting to see. Like, I, I really think that, um, you know, I, I think Jake isn't as big necessarily as Logan. I think Logan would be definitely slightly bigger. Um, and obviously physically or social media. No, 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 no. Is in like how much people care oh, about true. like their content. Okay. But I think that the interesting thing is, I think if you look at like the general public and like, man, it sounds really harsh to say. I think people want to see Jake get beaten up a lot more. <laughs> like, I, I think, like, I think that is a genuine pull. And I think that, um, yeah, if they do do that fight, it would be another big one. Crazy. And I also I think know. I also think that uh, I just I feel like KSI would smash it because you look at you look at the fact that Jake barely 
like Jake gets no points for me for beating Gib. Like Gib was clearly just not prepared. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, like that wasn't a fight. Guy. That wasn't a fight. It, it didn't was a look beat good. Down. It was a beat down. But I think that what's interesting is that um, Jake barely managed to beat Deji in that initial fight that they had. Yeah. And I know for a fact Deji did not train as hard as he should have. He was a fraction of how hard uh, KSI was working for that mm-hmm. fight. Like with it, you know, like I think that KSI and everyone tried to like help Deji, like set him up with trainers and dietitians and all that kind of thing. I mean, they've talked about all this publicly. Um, and I think that and he kind of like shrugged all that off. Meanwhile, KSI was like, di- he, was, he was a machine. He would stick to that diet. He would train every day. He is like a singularly focused person. If he wants yeah. to do something, he's going to do it. And um, I think that, yeah, the fact that Jake barely managed to take out Deji when KSI was just levels and levels and levels above him is... It's going to be interesting. That said, Jake is also kind of insane and I can definitely imagine So is it confirmed? I don't think it's confirmed, but I think it will be confirmed. I reckon it's going to happen. (laughs) They love love those pay-per-view dollars. Yes, for real, for real. Okay, so question of the week is... Taken from the audience. Thank you very much. Yeah, this is from... We did an Instagram thing. So this is from Dominic Burritos. He said, do you feel like your personality is portrayed accurately on camera? Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's just a slightly more toned up. Like, obviously, like like anyone when you're, you know, kind of being entertaining or even if you're like in a social yeah. environment a lot of the time, you'll do the exact same thing. You kind of tone yourself up a little bit more. Like, I, I absolutely am not always wandering around the office like what's going on guys super excited for another exciting day (laughs) of making content but like you know i I definitely don't fake reactions or kind of you know feel like i'm acting in any way i definitely do have a now i'm recording now i'm chilling kind of mode and i think every single youtuber does yeah where i kind of just tone myself up a little bit, like make myself slightly more interesting. Yeah. Um, I think your online personality is just a slightly more inflated version of your normal personality. Yeah. Like I think sometimes online maybe you come off a little bit more obnoxious than you are in real life. Sometimes you're a little bit obnoxious in real life too. But (laughs) yeah, I think your online personality is definitely bigger. It's definitely more bravado. Your voice changes a little bit, I think, when you're making YouTube videos. And I don't like that. I actually like your voice being more normal. I would say how you are on this podcast, for example, is basically exactly how you are normally off camera, 100%. But that's because you're Elliot here. You're not Muzok necessarily. But it's definitely not like I'm like a total quiet introvert who speaks like this all the time. And then suddenly in videos, I'm really like (laughs) out there. I think I'm Pretty much always. I think I would definitely be described as quite an energetic, extroverted person. Very Um, energetic, very extroverted. And you're genuinely really excited about games specifically. Like when you and Rob downstairs are talking about games or whatever, like the way that you're reacting or the way that you're reacting to games when you're not recording is really, really similar to the way that you react to games when you are recording. Yeah. So I think, I think it's a, it's an interesting question. I think almost every single YouTuber I know has their YouTube thing where they'll turn on the camera and they kind of just go like, (gasps) you know, and they're like on for the next 30 minutes, but you want to be on like most of them enjoy that. That's part of why they love what they're doing. So 
yeah, I think sometimes I think sometimes you appear slightly different, but really you're the same core person, 100%. I don't think you could really be a YouTuber or streamer over a long period of time and be able to keep up that sort of facade. No, 100%. Cool. All right, well... I think that is all we have time for today. Episode four ticked off. Sounds good. Remember, please. Okay, stop. If you're watching this on YouTube, are you subscribed to the channel? Make sure you hit it. Slash follow on Spotify. Follow on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a bloody goddamn review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't. I don't think you can leave reviews. I don't on understand Spotify, how any of it works. I just, just sit here and do record. the thing on whatever the platform you're on. You know how to do it. You're smart. Click the buttons. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, guys. Remember to follow us on all the socials at Watch Time Pod. Subscribe on YouTube, and we will see you guys next week. Bye. 